Testing one, one, testing one, two, one, two, one, two, testing one. Well, good morning, everyone. If you could take the next 30 seconds or so and find a place to sit, that would be beautiful, and we'll get the service started. Well, once again, good morning, everyone. We'll try that again. Good morning, everyone. Thank you. It's uh, wonderful to see you all here this morning, and those who are online, welcome uh, to you as well. Uh, you're welcome here at Mercy Church. Uh, this is our morning service. We have an evening service at Blessings, um, uh, starting at 6.30. But this morning, I will be leading uh, this worship service. My name is Ian, and I'm the pastor here uh, at Mercy Church. If you're new with us, uh, welcome, especially a, welcome, a special welcome to all of you. Uh, it's great that you're here with us. If you'd like to get to know us a little bit better, we do have information cards um, at the table back there. You can fill one out, and we will certainly uh, respond to that, whatever your interests are in that area. If you're new to the Christian faith and you have some questions, you can send an uh, email at, to info at mercychurch.ca, especially for those who are online. Um, otherwise, uh, myself and maybe someone else will be back at the back row, a uh, back table there uh, this morning to answer any of your questions. We also have an opportunity for prayer after the service. If there's a matter on your heart, 
uh, whether for Thanksgiving or a burden that you are carrying, and you want in particular prayer over that, our prayer team uh, will be here to my right, and they would love to pray with you and for you uh, this morning. After the service, we will also be uh, showing a, a short video on our sports night that we're running uh, in, in Oriel Crescent just down the road here. And uh, ho hopefully you can stay for that. That will just be a minute or two afterwards. And uh, my wife will share a few words about um, what's happening there and what's going to be happening this week. Well, that's all for the announcements. If you could please rise for the call to worship. You can follow the prompt on the screen. O come, let us worship and bow down. For he is our God. Let's continue in worship and we will begin our first song by singing, O Praise the Name.
sustainer and giver of life. Lord, it's so amazing to, to behold you as our Lord and King, the beginning and the end. Too often we, we take it for granted that, that you created this earth perfectly in place in our, in our cosmos. And for that, we, we just want to offer you full praise, Lord, as our creator. Thank you so, so much, Lord, for, uh, for working your word in our hearts. We just ask that you'll accept the praises that we bring. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. to pray. 
Amen. Nothing compares to the promise we have in our risen Lord. So let us lift up our hearts. Receive the Lord's greeting. Grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Children are invited with their parents, um, if they're toddlers, to go to our nursery if they need to, and someone will help you there, um, and the nursery care will be there as well. God cleanses us. That's where we are in our worship service this morning. A brother shared with me yesterday that his prayers of late have been very simple. His prayer has been, if there's anything in my heart, Lord, that is keeping me from you, remove it. Remove anything that is stopping me from a vibrant, living, active relationship with you, Jesus Christ. Everything. He said at times this is painful. God begins to expose things that we didn't realize are even there that need to be dealt with in our lives. And Maybe this morning there is something in your life that you need God to take hold of and you need to let go a sinful pattern, a pernicious sin that you don't want others to know about. Something for months, even years, you have rationalized away. Maybe it's pride, maybe it's greed, maybe it's bitterness, maybe it's envy, maybe it's anger, maybe it's sexual impurity. But I'm going to tell you this morning, you don't want to waste your time with those sins. And I pray that as we open God's word this morning in connection to God's cleansing, which we're going to use God's law as our, as our basis, that in some way the Holy Spirit will use the law as a scalpel into our hearts to remove anything that's not of Jesus from our lives. Because sin has a way of masking reality. And we need God to unmask any sin that we have in our lives. So let us hear God's word now. It's going to be read responsively, and the prompts will be on the screen. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, your manservant, maidservant, your animals or the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Wash away. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. 
You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. A prayer of confession this morning. There will be a time of silence for you to offer a time of personal sins, uh, your confession of personal sins to the Lord. Let's come before the Lord in prayer. We are thankful again this morning, Father, that we can uh, come before you in prayer. We thank you that Jesus has passed through the heavenlies. He has opened heaven's door for us. He's seated at your right hand. He's there to intercede for us. We thank you that when we come to you to find grace and mercy in our time of need, that's exactly what you provide. You provide grace and mercy. You are a forgiving God. You are a gracious God. You are a loving God. You are a patient God. You are a kind God. And we thank you, Lord, that as we come before you in the humility, in humility, as we come before you um, aware of our brokenness, wanting our relationship with Jesus to be so much more so much more beautiful, so much more whole, so much more complete, that we know that sin gets in the way. And you're calling us again this morning to, to a time of confession, just to be real, to be real with you, even to be real with each other. We are, we are desperate for your grace. We are desperate for your forgiveness. We are desperate for your spirit to lead us down the path of holiness every, every step of our life, Lord. And so this morning, Father, as we come before you in this time of personal confession, we pray that you'll hear our prayers as we offer them in silence to you now. Father in heaven, we do thank you that you're personal with each one of us and that you hear each of our prayers, that Jesus died for each one of us and Jesus wants us to live in the joy of our salvation. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who's renewing our spirit, making us new, sanctifying us and making us more like Jesus every day. We thank you so much for that. And we thank you for the promise that if we confess our sins, as we read in 1 John 1, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We take that prayer as ours this morning, Father, that truth, that reality, that in Christ we are truly forgiven. So in Christ we offer this prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. The response uh, song, we're going to sing a psalm that is connected to the sermon this morning on raising our hallelujahs. It's Psalm 150. Um, the words will be on the screen.
praise the Lord in his house with one accord. Praise him in the wide extent of his spacious firmament. Sing and shout his praise uprightly. His unbounded greatness praise and extol his wondrous ways. Praise him for his deeds so mighty. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Sing Trumpet blast, praise his glory unsurpassed. Praise him with the hallelujah. Praise him with the strings and flute. Worship him in exaltation and with tambourine and dance. So as we open our Bibles again this morning, we are introducing a new theme just for today. Um, we're going to be beginning a Nehemiah series very, very close, or very, very soon, sorry. But today we're going to look at this uh, theme, let us raise our hallelujahs. And Hebrew, the word hallelujah means praise the Lord in English, so let us raise our praise the Lords, you could say. It just sounds nicer to say raise our hallelujahs. 
Now, I think as a follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, you agree with me that you can't miss something when you open God's Word. Just as you can't miss something as you uh, go outside in the morning and see a beautiful sunrise, I don't know if this is, you know, or sunset, I don't know if this is your view in the morning, or that in the morning, or this in the morning, or that, or this in the evening, or that during the day, or that. I think we need to move to see some of those pictures. But I don't think you can miss anything when you see all that as a follower of Jesus. And what you can't miss is this, that God has created this for his glory, but also for our enjoyment. And also, you could say almost as a conduit of praise, to, to, to cause us to praise. He has given us this beautiful, manifold creation that we can lift up our praises to God. And that's what he delights from us. He delights that we sing his hallelujahs. It's very interesting if you read the book of Psalms, and many of you are very familiar with the book of Psalms in the Old Testament. The book of Psalms moves with this chorus throughout the book to praise the Lord to praise the Lord. It's throughout the whole Bible, but in particular in the book of Psalms, we're called to praise the Lord. But it kind of grows in this crescendo as you read through the book that the last number of songs repeat that refrain constantly over and over again, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, lift up the name of the Lord, bless the name of the Lord. It's as if the Holy Spirit wants to remind his people, God's people, that we are a people of praise, that we are a people who call upon the name of the Lord in prayer and in praise. We are a worshiping people. And maybe this command is also repeated constantly in the book of Psalms because this might be our greatest battle in life, that we ignore the call to praise the Lord. Or worse, we exchange the praise and worship of God for other things. We worship maybe ourselves. We glory in ourselves and we want the adulations and we want the praise from people and we say, you know, worship me, praise me. We won't actually tell people to do that, but that's exactly what we want. Or maybe we worship those around us. We find celebrities, sports athletes, charismatic leaders, and we extend to them our worship. That's owing to God. But as followers of Jesus this morning, we need to be reminded that we are called to worship God and exclusively God. And so this morning as I preach this sermon, I hope and my prayer has been, and we prayed before the service as well about this, that the Lord would rekindle a renewed passion in your heart for the worship of God that he would light your heart on fire again for the worship of his name, to join, you could say, the symphony of praise that the universe is declaring to the one who made you, to the one who came to save you, and the one who delights to live with you forever. That's what we want to see, more worship coming from these hearts of ours. And this morning, we're going to begin in this, um, let us raise our hallelujahs by going into the corridors of heaven. Because that's exactly what's happening there, even as I speak. 
So in the corridors of heaven, we get to witness God being worshipped, the Son of God being worshipped as well uh, by the angels and the living creatures who are before his throne. So let's open our Bibles now to Revelation chapter 5, beginning at verse 11. There we find these words. If you do not have a Bible, uh, you can read them on the screen behind me. We find these words. This is John. He's the one who writes this. He's in a vision. He's an apostle of Jesus. He's in this vision, and this is what he gets to experience. He says, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000, which is beginning at 100 million. We're talking about a lot of angels. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. That's what's happening in heaven. Well, we're called to praise the Lord, and so we're going to look at a text, actually, from the book of Psalms, Psalm 148. Um, but before that, I have this quote from Spurgeon about this psalm that I thought was quite fitting. Uh, he says this, he says, As a flash of lightning flames through space, and enwraps both heaven and earth in one vestment of glory. So does the adoration of the Lord in this psalm light up all the universe and cause it to glow with a radiance of praise. Okay, he had a way with words. But that's a pretty well, a pretty good caption, a pretty good summary of this psalm where all of creation is called uh, to the worship of our living God. So let us read now together Psalm 148. There we find these words. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For at his command they were created. And he established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all ocean depths. Lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds do his bidding. Uh, that do his bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and women, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. And he has raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all his faithful servants, of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. Let us ask, ask the Lord. Oh, this is the word of the Lord. Let's ask the Lord for a blessing over his word this morning. Father in heaven, we are so thankful, again, that we can open your word. We know that you have called us into being, and you've called us to be worshiping beings. That's our a priori. Um, condition. 
that we're meant for worship. But we're meant to worship you, to praise you, to extol you, to lift up your name. And so we pray, Father, that you will rekindle that passion in us if it's growing a bit dim. That you'll help us to be the people you want us to be, a worshiping people. And that through this sermon, we will be challenged and convicted and encouraged to be what you want us to be and to do what you want us to do as men and women and children called to worship your most holy name. So bless us now, we pray, for a powerful working of your Holy Spirit in each of our lives, in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning I have this very, very simple theme, let us raise our hallelujahs, and we have three questions we're going to answer this morning against this theme. The first question is this, is why? Why are we called to raise our hallelujahs? Let's begin with the why before we move on to the what and to the, to the who and to the what. So the psalm begins, as I said, with one Hebrew word, hallelujah. Three words in English, praise the Lord. It's a command, not a suggestion. And it's in the present tense. That means it's a daily reality. It's a present reality that every day you are called as a follower of Jesus uh, to praise the Lord. But sadly, some have asked this question, why? It's really an unfortunate question that, that is even asked. Why, why should we raise our hallelujahs? Why should we um, praise the Lord? But it's a question that has been asked probably in the North American context, in the European context for the last 400 years or so. They say ever since in the Enlightenment, which happened in the early 1700s, and into the Romantic period, which happened in the 18 and into the 1900s, uh, people began to ask questions about the God who created the universe. Why, they asked, must we praise the Lord? God was put on the dock, you could say. He was put on trial. Your calls to praise. And the question's unfortunate. Why should we praise the Lord if you just stand back for just a little bit and just gaze at this beautiful universe that he's created and, and the people that he's created amongst us? Psalm 147 verse 4 says that he is the one who called into, into, into being uh, trillions of stars. And, and it says in Psalm 147 verse 4 that he knows them by name. It's crazy that we have to even ask, why do you need to praise the Lord when he's done such an awesome, awesome work? It's crazy to ask this question, even though there's this miracle called human life where from, from infancy there's this little zygote that has the DNA written to its cell that is the potential for human life, and that human life just grows into our, in, the, in the mother's womb. That's a miracle beyond all miracles, and you're going to ask, why praise the Lord? Or the myriads of angels that are singing praises to God right now in, in glory, hundreds upon hundreds of millions, are they asking the question, why praise the Lord? But the question is still asked, loved ones, because we live in a time where it's countercultural to say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. That's very countercultural today to say that. I hope you know that. Because the thought process goes something like this. Is your God not somehow needy for attention? Is he somewhat arrogant that he demands the praises of people? 
They even go further. He's narcissistic. He's a megalomaniac, your God. If he requires constant praise from his creatures, doesn't that undermine him as a God? And, and it goes on. They go on. They say, as humans, if we go around soliciting the praises of others, if we tell people, praise me, worship me, say good things about me right now, right here, we will be called weird, narcissistic, arrogant, self-absorbed. And so the question is why? Why does God call forth the praises of his people? And God, can God's word and God's ways withstand the scrutiny of our enlightened age, our humanistic age that has removed God and put man or woman into the center of their existence? Can God withstand the scrutiny of this question? And the answer is yes, he can, without a big problem too, thankfully. There's two answers I want to provide to this question. Why should we praise the Lord? Why should we raise our hallelujahs? And the first answer to this question is very, very simple. I think the kids would probably have the same answer. You praise the Lord for one reason, because he, not you, is God, full stop. Because he, not you, is God. Full stop. You see, when Job, as some of you know the story of the life of Job, Job was stripped of a lot of things, almost everything, save his life. Job was stripped of everything, save his wife and his life. Job had questions against God's will in his life, and he struggled with it. And God, in his infinite mercy, came and met with Job. You can read about this in Job chapter 38. And God begins right here. He says in Job 38, verse 4, Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? Surely you know, Job. That I don't have to answer your questions. I am the creator God of this vast universe with trillions and billions of stars in the, in the expanse. Were you there? The answer to the first question, why do we praise God, is because we praise him because of who he is. He is the creator God of a vast universe, and he deserves our worship. But I think scripture allows us to ponder the reality and the beauty of worship a little bit more deeply. You could say more relationally. And that's what's beautiful about scripture because we're not just this deist. We don't believe in a deistic God who kind of set things in motion and left us. No, he desires to have a relationship with us. And so this praising of God is a relational reality. Let me explain that. John Piper helped me here, and so is C.S. Lewis, but let me share what John Piper says. He says, what if praising God is an act of love from God for us? What if the call to praise God is really for our sake, for the, for the, for the joy and the beauty of being in this living relationship with the Almighty? He goes on. He says, what if admiration and adoration is the highest pleasure that we as created beings can have? 
The, the, the adoration and the admiration of something is one of the highest pleasures that we can attain to. And if then God is the most admirable of all beings, he asks, would it not be cruel of God to deprive us of our greatest pleasure, and that is to adore him? Would, would it be not cruel of God to say, okay, I've created you, and, and your greatest pleasure will be in, 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 in enjoying me forever by worshiping me, but I'm going to deprive that from you. Would that be cruel? Let's flesh this out a little bit more with C.S. Lewis. He was an atheist philosopher turned Christian. He penned um, a few comments on this command to praise Reflections on the book of Psalms, it's called, and he reflected on this command to praise the Lord. And he writes this. He says, the most obvious fact about praise strangely escaped me. I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. I never realized that. He says, the world we live in rings with praise. A lover praising his or her lover. Readers praising their favorite author. Walkers praise the countryside. Players praise their favorite game. There is praise of the weather, of wine, of dishes, of actors, of horses, of college, of countries, of children, of flowers, of but... He's got a rap song. He goes on for a while. Even sometimes he adds politicians and scholars. That we even want to praise them. Sometimes. He says, my whole difficulty about the praise of God demanded on me... Sorry, my whole difficulty about the praise of God depended on me denying what indeed we can't help doing, and that is praising everything we value. My, my idea of the, the difficulty with praising God depended on me denying what indeed we can't help but doing, and that is praising everything we value. So here's his conclusion. He says, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy. Because the praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because this praise not merely expresses, but actually completes the enjoyment. Now that might be a bit philosophical, philosophical for you this morning, especially for some of you kids. So I'm just going to unpack that a little bit more by an illustration. You see... Loving your child or your niece or your nephew is not complete unless you're able to express that love. It's one thing to say, I love you to your child or to your niece or to your nephew. But the love is not complete until there's a demonstration of that love that completes the act of love. You understand? It's very easy to use words but that doesn't, doesn't bring wholeness to the idea of love unless the love is acted out. Similarly, joy in God is not complete until it is expressed in worship. So you got to hear me out on this. It is out of his love for you that God created you to worship so that your joy may be complete as you praise him. Piper. If God would have your joy complete, he must command you to do what will make you infinitely and eternally happy, namely to see the Savior and to sing, the Savior and to sing his praises. I hope you're getting it. If 
the spirit of the living God is in you. And you have joy in Christ because of what he's done for you. Your natural response then, spirit-filled, yes, but natural response, your spontaneous response will be to worship him. Do you know that? And that worship of Christ for what he has done for you completes your joy in him. That may be why God has called his people throughout the ages to praise him. Very interesting when the elders, for example, witness this beautiful worship of Jesus in heaven for what he has done, the man slain from the beginning of the world for our sins. They, they, they hear this great chorus of praise to Jesus. And they hears, hears the living creatures say, Amen. What, what does, what's the response of the elders? To just walk away? Well, that's nice. Everybody's singing here in heaven. Everybody's lifting up the name of Jesus. I'm just going to go home now. No, it says in chapter 5, I think verse 14, they fell down and they, help me out, worshipped. Because in every way the worship completed the joy that they have for Jesus. That's how they could express it to Jesus. They worship him. You love Jesus. You want to be enjoying Jesus. You want to experience more of Jesus. You need to be in worship to Jesus. That's what the elders tell us. We worship him because of who he is. And we can even end there. And we worship because he delights to have us, our joy complete in him. That's the longer of my three points. Here's my second. The who. Who are we called to raise their, who's called to raise their hallelujahs? Well, a lot of things and a lot of people and angelic beings. <laughs> Verse two, it says, praise him all his angels, praise him all his heavenly hosts, praise him sun and moon, praise him all you shining stars, praise him you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. And then he continues to go down into the depths of the sea creatures, and he, oh, he goes to the lightning and, and the winds, and he goes to the sea creatures, and he lands back up on earth again and talks about uh, humanity, all called to praise the Lord. And if you were to follow the line of thought, you could probably follow it through the six days of creation. That everything that God has made on day one through day six is called to praise the Lord. Now, the angels, of course, were not created on day one. We, we actually don't know when they were created. And the discussion is, is out on that, of course. But we know that they were there at creation because in Job chapter 38, again, after we learn that Jesus laid, God laid the foundations of the earth, he says this, while the morning stars sang together and the angels shouted for joy. That would have been an unbelievable experience to be there. As God's calling into existence the stars, as God's calling into the existence the sun and the moon and our solar system, and he calls into existence the earth, as he calls these things into existence, the angels are in chorus just praising him. C.S. Lewis picks this up in the Narnia series, by the way, if you want to read that. The angels, worshiping beings, they fulfill their calling. And yes, they find their greatest satisfaction in the worship of God, the angels. Not the fallen angels. They've exchanged the glory of God, the angels who are in glory right now. The psalmist moves from the angels to the heavenly bodies. 
The heavenly bodies, of course, have no audible voice. I know that they're tapping into some deep, deep dark holes in the universe and hearing some crazy sounds, but that's not really what I'm talking about. That's just power at work. But the, but the non, you know, the inanimate things of the, of the sky have their very existence still for the worship of God. When they do what they're made to do, when the sun shines and the moon reflects the sun and causes the tidal tides to move and, and the stars are bright, showing their glory in the sky and the air and the atmosphere do what they're called to do and the lightning's doing what it's called to do. When they're doing what they're called to do, they are de facto raising their hallelujahs. They're worshiping God. They're just praising Him. You may be sleeping. They're still praising Him every day. For thousands of years, they've been doing the same thing, praising God. All of creation stands as a witness of God's glory. All of creation, the lightning, the wind, the mountains, the hills, the sea creatures, all are called into corporate worship. But all of those as well are to excite and enhance, even induce our worship. Do you know that? The world was created for our enjoyment so that through what we see, we can bring more worship to the one who made it. And so when you see a sunrise, you praise the Lord, you lift your hallelujahs. When you see the stars above and the moon shining brightly, you raise your hallelujahs. When you visit the sea creatures of the sea, don't get too close to some of them, and you snorkel over a reef, you raise your hallelujahs. When you walk through the forest and hear the birds sing and smell the flowers, you raise your hallelujahs. When you enjoy a meal with your friends or with your family, even on your own, you can raise your hallelujahs. Because everything that has breath and everything that doesn't is meant to praise the Lord. It's a conduit of worship. But when the psalmist moves on, to, moves to us, moves through the psalm, he, he gets to day six now. And day six is the creation account, as some of you might know. It's the zenith, it's the highest, it's the apex of God's created work when he created people like you and me. We are rational beings. We are sapient beings. We are, you understand, the most capable, of course, of rendering the sweetest praise to God. I'll say that again. We, as sapient, rational beings, born and created in the image of the Almighty God, are the most capable of rendering the sweetest, the most eloquent, the most beautiful praise to the living God. Simultaneously. Because of sin, we are the most bent on withholding that praise from him. We can offer the sweetest praise, and we can offer the worst of curses to the same God. So it should not escape our notice then that when the psalmist moves from the strong, the psalmist moves in verse 11 from the strong in society to the weak and often marginalized. Verse 11, he says, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes, princes and all rulers on earth. And then he goes to young men and women, and then he ends with old men and children. I like what Calvin, John Calvin, the theologian, 
from the Reformation time wrote, he said, as kings and princes are blinded by the dazzling influence of their station so as to think that the world was made for them and to despise God in their pride of their heart, he particularly calls them out to this calling to praise the Lord. And I think, amen, John Calvin, that's right. He begins with those who might be most distracted by their power, most distracted by their beauty around them, most distracted by their influence, that they forget to praise the author of all that they see and all that they've done. So he starts there. But he doesn't end there. He talks about young men and young women. Uh, They may have the same problem. They may become so fixated on their health and their abilities that they become very self-reliant. They, had, they're, 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 they don't really acknowledge that everything that they have received comes from above, and they think that somehow they have achieved what they have received and, and, or achieved what they have done, and they begin to praise themselves for the things that they're able to do in their young, vigorous bodies. Someone like me is starting to realize that that vigor is starting to... I was going for a little run along the Hamilton Beach there the other day, and also my leg just seized up. I'm like, that's never happened to me in all my life. I'm getting older. I'm starting to realize I don't have the same agility as a young person, and that's okay. But the young people, with all your agility, with all your potential, offer up your praise to God for everything. Paul asks, what do you have that you have not received? And then he goes to old men and children, the more vulnerable. They're more dependent upon God, and they need also then to praise him. From the least to the greatest, we are to stand side by side, those who have power and influence in this world and those who are vulnerable and close to death. Together we, in a sense, need to hold hands and together we need to offer one chorus of praise and together we need to raise our hallelujahs. That's what the psalmist is saying. There's an equality, you understand, in worship that should not escape our notice either. It's the beauty of being part of God's people. We come together as equals here this morning. Redeemed sinners, one and all, who offer up one chorus of praise to the one God who has made us and to the one God who has saved us. And so Paul grabs this, this beautiful unity of the Spirit and unity in the church and unity in corporate worship and unity in worship. He says in Galatians 3, verse 26, he says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. Therefore, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, and together we raise our hallelujahs. There's no pride of place in the church of Jesus Christ. We're one people, one saved people, called to raise our hallelujahs. Psalm 150 sung so beautifully just earlier, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let me close with this. The what? What is the content of our praise? What is the content of our hallelujahs? I think the question doesn't need to be asked, but I'm going to ask it every, anyway. What is, what, what, what's the content of our praise? What, or what, what is the reason, you could say, for raising our hallelujahs? Well, the content of our praise and the reason are all together. It's everything that God has done. We look up. We look down, we look around, we reflect on his power, we experience his beauty, we marvel at his presence, and we praise him for everything we, have, everything we see. Everything is the content of our praise. 
all that he has done and all that he has made. But here's the problem, loved ones. Sin has desperately marred our vision. That's why we have to ask the question. Sin has marred our appreciation of God. Sin has degraded the glory and denigrated his creation. Sin has led us to boredom and indifference to the, to the God he is. Sin has caused us to doubt that he even made this universe. Sin has exchanged the beauty from the maker to the things he has made. Sin has led us to worship ourselves and others before him. And that's what sin has done. It's twisted the whole matter of praise in our hearts. And you understand that for that reason, because sin just twisted everything since the garden, that God knew that the content of our worship had then to include his son, Jesus, today. He was promised immediately after Adam and Eve fell into sin, because he would become the great redeemer of the world, and he would reorientate our worship again. He would make our worship right Hebrews 1 verse 3 says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by, the power, by His powerful word. He had to come. And He is the exact representation of God's glory. He has to be at the center of our worship. And I think the psalmist is getting to this, hinting at it anyway in verse 14. That's our last verse here. It says, and he has raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all his faithful servants of Israel, the people close to his heart. A horn was often used in the Bible. It, it has this picture of strength, bulls, has horns. He raised up a horn, like a horn that is strong. God has raised up his people to be strong. They, they were to be celebrate, they were to celebrate the strength that he provided for them. But the reason why this picture is drawing us to Jesus is simply this, because in Psalm 132, verse 17, it says, Here I will make a horn grow for David. That horn from the line of David would ultimately be Jesus. He is our strength. He is our song. Jesus, the visible glory of the invisible God. Jesus, who became our horn of strength. He came to free us from the misery that a broken world has caused. He came to free us from the disordered, distorted worship. He came to be the second Adam to set us free from the penalty of sin, the corruption of our first Adam. He came to restore all of creation from the bondage of death and decay so that together we could offer up our praises again to the God who made us. Loved ones, he's come for you come for me. He's come to reboot my heart so it would praise my maker rightly again so that in that praise my joy may be complete. He's come to reboot your heart too. He's come to reboot the creation so that this creation could be whole again free of decay and corruption and beautiful in every way. One Colossians 1, In Christ all things are reconciled to God, whether on earth or in heaven, since he has made peace by the blood on the cross. In Christ the chains are gone. In Christ the power of sin is broken. In Christ death is defeated. In Christ the restoration of creation has begun.
And for this reason, loved ones, we are to raise our hallelujahs with more vigor than David could ever think of. We stand with the angels and the saints of all times now who now sing our Savior's worth. He fills the contents of our praise because he has reconciled us to the Father. He is the substance and the content of our praise because of his glory and because of his redeeming work. So we will sing with raised voices. We will even sing with raised hands. We will worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Psalm 63 verse 4 says, I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. We won't mutter Jesus' name under our breath when we're in corporate worship. <laughs> we will exalt his name with our whole heart, with our whole being. That's what's happening in glory. And they understand why they're singing the way they are singing, and all of heaven is shaking at the sound of their voices. Because he is our king, and because he has redeemed this world lost in sin. And it's ours to enjoy today and forevermore the worship of our Lord. I hope you get it, loved ones. Do you understand that in some ways this is just training camp here? This is boot camp for glory when you actually get to meet Jesus face to face, when we come together for corporate worship. This is just boot camp. I want to ask you a very difficult question. Is Christ your all in all this morning? You see, if the praises of God are not on your lips, if you have no joy in your heart to raise your hallelujahs to him, if you're still stuck with the question, why do I need to do this? If you have no joy for Christ because of what he's done for you, I implore you this morning, you want to settle this matter soon. You can come talk to me afterwards. You can come talk to the prayer team. You can come talk to a friend who loves Jesus and say, what, tell me more. What does Jesus want from me? Because you want to seek the Lord's favor today, loved ones. Scripture makes it very, very clear in Matthew 10, verse 33. Jesus says, Whoever, if anyone denies me here on earth, denies me my worship, denies me my praise, disowns me before others, I will deny, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. I think you understand, loved ones, that the stakes are really, really high when it comes to worshiping him. But I hope you understand as well this morning that his grace is higher. Seek him because he can be found. Praise him because he saved you. Worship him and he will complete your joy. And just raise your hallelujahs. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for what you have done. Things are all messed up down here. But this is not the end of the story. 
You've come to reboot our hearts so that we would worship you the way that we're called to worship you. You've come to reboot this creation so that it can be made new again. Everything's celebrating what you have done. Lord, we pray that our hearts will be fixed on Christ and what he has done for us, that we will certainly raise our hallelujahs, that we'll sing our praises to you because you love us so much, because you've created such a beautiful world, and the new world will just, be, will just blow us away. So fill our hearts, O oh God, with a song of praise. Help us to worship you with every fiber of our being to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name do we pray. Amen. Let us love, love ones, and we will sing again a song called Praise to the Lord the Almighty.
In our congregational prayer this morning, we're going to remember the Rosa family, Amy and Abraham, and their children were members of Mercy, and by extension, they still are, even though they are in, um, what, 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 it's Costa Rica, um, but Amy's father passed away yesterday, and uh, Henry Heink passed away yesterday, so we remember the family, they have other relatives also in Blessings and um, other churches. Uh, we'll also remember in prayer our three uh, nomination, nominees for the office of elder. I think they'll be up on the screen just very, very briefly here maybe. Um, Cornelius Bursma is one of them. Um, Len over there, Nienhuis, is the other. And Dave Bursma is, I think, here as well. Uh, there he is at the back. Um, those are the three gentlemen that we will be voting on this afternoon. So if you're a member of Mercy, you should be receiving a... Um, uh, survey a monkey uh, email and you can uh, post your response to that but let's pray for these gentlemen as well let us come before the lord in prayer father in heaven we are so thankful that um, you call us to worship you in fact lord that brings us great delight it completes our joy in you as we get to lift up your name and honor you for what you've done and for who you are lord it's just pride it's just pride that gets in the way that keeps us from humbly adoring you and worshiping you for who you are. So we strip us of our pride, strip us of anything that keeps us from you. Lord, we are yours and you are ours, knit together through the blood of Christ for all eternity. And we thank you again for that truth this morning. Lord, we thank you that we can come together and lift uh, matters up in prayer. Lord, we want to remember the High Inc. family today. We think particularly of, of Amy and Abraham and their children, but all the children of Mr. Hyink and his wife, Lord, as they grieve his loss. Lord, he's quite young. His fight against cancer, cancer was quite long, and he will be sorely missed. Lord, we pray that you will comfort the family even now, that they'll rise up on the wings of eagles, that they'll run and not be faint and walk and not be weary, that they will be able to find their strength in you in this hour of grief. And we thank you for the resurrection. We thank you so much that Jesus has the final word on death, that he has risen victoriously over death, and that we will meet those who love Jesus in eternity. And we know they long to meet their dad again. Comfort them, Father. Lord, there are others in our congregation that walk with grief daily on various fronts, Lord, and we do pray for comfort, that our hope will be firmly in Christ, the resurrected Savior, and because of his finished work, and because, the he, because he conquered, the, conquered death and, and won uh, the fight against the devil and evil, Lord, that we have a living hope, and that we can move with that confidence every new day. Lord, we want to also pray for um, those who are in our church who are struggling in their marriages, uh, Lord, we know that a marriage is such a precious, precious gift from you. And when that gift is taken from us or when that gift is uh, broken, defiled, ruined, uh, Lord, it, it, just, it just wreaks so much havoc on the soul, so much burden to the bearers of the grief and the pain. Lord, we pray for those who are struggling in their marriages, that you'll be a God who brings reconciliation, humble, humility, repentance, and joy again. Lord, help us to fight for our marriages with the power and the, of the Holy Spirit and be glorified, be glorified in our homes. 
Be glorified in our marriages. Be honored there, we pray. Lord, bless our families, bless our children, bless those mothers and fathers that would love to have children. We think of the organization or the group Hope for Waiting Hearts, Lord. We, we thank you that there's a, a support group for those who are infertile. Lord, there's much grief and much pain around that as well. Be a balm for their woes. Be an answer to their prayers, Lord. Show your comfort, show your presence to them as they walk that, diff, that journey, that difficult, difficult journey of infertility. We thank you that you care. We thank you that you are present, that you carry our grief, that you carry our tears. Thank you that you care for us. Lord, we thank you that we can continue to serve as a church and we can continue to grow, and we're thankful for the three men that I mentioned who are prepared to serve as elders of this church. Lord, we pray that you will continue to bless them. Uh, one of them will be in, two of them will not be in, in the position of office, but allow them to continue to serve and whatever capacity they are called uh, to bless uh, your name, to bless this church, we thank you for the gifts that each of them have. May your will be done, and may we move in a spirit of dependence on you as we uh, vote in our next uh, elder uh, for um, our leadership team here at Mercy. Lord, we also want to think of the sports night on Tuesday night in Oriel Crescent or Hillcrest Park. We're so thankful for that. We thank you for the video that we're going to show just very, very briefly uh, after this. Lord, we do pray that you will continue to bless the ministry there, all the children that come out, the moms and the dads that come out, that relationships can be built, that we can share the love of Jesus, and that we can have a lot of fun together. And we look forward to continuing this past the program, Lord, into the fall, ways to connect with the families, ways to show the love of Christ, ways to bring hope to, to communities, Lord, that need hope. Lord, we pray that you bless our, our mission there, our activity there, our walk with the, the community there uh, on, our, on, on our sports night on Tuesday night. Lord, we also want to thank you that Campfire closed up this past week, uh, speaking with Cornelius, Lord, who's here with us. Uh, so much emotion there, so much emotion. Uh, after a, a, a month and a half or almost two months of just pouring out your heart to people, meeting so many people, seeing you do such great work, seeing you change hearts, it's just awesome. It's hard to put to words. And so a lot of emotion coming from that. Lord, we pray that you will continue to bless a campfire and the fruit of the labor of all those who serve there diligently, that your name was, was, was magnified, but also hearts were changed and that those relationships uh, may be fostered and developed, and that more and more people, more and more children and young people and, and even older people will, will commit their lives to you as their Lord and as their Savior through this ministry. Lord, we thank you that Kevin Wattel and Jacina now as well are done at a redemption, and they want to join us again. Um, we thank you for Kevin's gifts as a preacher. May you bless him as he continues to study this term um, at, at CRTS, and we thank you that they'll be joining us shortly um, uh, through, the, through the fall and winter. Lord, we also continue to pray for um, all, all the prep that's going in as we prepare for school, as we prepare for homeschooling or school, day school in the classroom, Lord. Uh, just bless all the teachers in our midst and all the parents as they make that transition into to the school year. Prepare, bless our hearts in that. Lord, watch over us now as we go from here. Care for our souls. Keep us, keep us raising our hallelujahs through your most holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. You have an opportunity to worship the Lord uh, through financial gifts. Um, we uh, have two uh, bags that will go around, one for the deaconry, that's not for the, 
the, the lights and the power and all those things that run the church, but it's for those who are in need in, in our community, in this church community, but the broader community. And the cause of the month, which will be the second bag, is for Wycliffe Bible Translators. And there's two families in particular, you can read about them, that we're supporting uh, during this month. Uh, they would love your support. One's working in the Solomon Islands, another in Papua New Guinea. And um, if you're new with us, uh, we're thankful that you're here. We don't expect anything from you. Uh, but if you want to give, for sure, you're, you're most welcome. Please rise. Receive the Lord's blessing and go your way in his strength. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. After our closing song, we're going to ask you to please uh, take a seat and uh, we have a short video to play um, in, with a brief introduction about the sports night on Tuesday night. But let's sing Christ is all. I found a treasure that can't be taken. I found a well that won't run dry. Oh, worldly pleasure, be now forsaken. 
Behold what love, what life is mine. Good endless striving, thou make me righteous. Good all my works, thou grant me hope. Oh, hallelujah, the blood of Jesus, my only plea, my only boast. Christ is all, Christ is all. seated. May Christ be your all as you go this week. But before you go, uh, my wife's going to come up here and she's going to say a bunch of things.
Good morning, or afternoon, actually. Um, we've had an awesome, awesome summer of sports nights. And uh, before we uh, watch the highlight video, I just wanted to say a few words of thanks. And um, I just want to say thanks to God. Just start with that. He's given us such an awesome window of opportunity um, to share the gospel with the kids who have been coming to the sports and the crafts night. And he's given us um, just every reason um, to have something to share with the kids in Jesus Christ. So praise to him. And I also just want to thank um, the core team, uh, the team of 12 people who um, every week again set up, got the equipment there, coached the kids, um, led the devotions, organized the crafts, and just were an awesome team of minions to work with. And um, for the rest of you who showed up when you could, some of you um, started coming almost every week again, and I think we're going to get you a Minion t-shirt next summer. And thank you to the small groups who, um, yeah, brought the juice boxes and the freezies and um, just joined in wherever you could. And um, yeah, I know that the community engagement team is talking about how we can continue to connect with the children and the youth um, throughout the year. So please keep that in prayer, more to come on that. Um, and we're just thankful for the opportunities that we had to plant seeds. Every night, again, we'd sit down in the middle of our night, gather the kids together, and share about Jesus and what he's done for them. So seeds were planted and um, watered, and we just pray for God um, to grow those into faith in Jesus Christ. Um, Jesse, thank you so much for doing this highlight video, and uh, enjoy.
That's beautiful. So certainly you'll hear more about uh, what's, what we're doing in the fall with the community engagement team. We have a new chair of that team, which is really exciting. And if you're interested in joining the community engagement team, um, come talk to me or the big tall guy in the back there. His name's Dave. Um, yeah, we are having refreshments after the service, so please stay around for some refreshments. If you're able, you can maybe help move some chairs. We have to clean this building out. We do worship again this evening at 6.30 at 115 Stanley Avenue. Um, if there's a matter on your heart for prayer, please, the prayer team vo volunteers are ready to pray with you. May God bless you all. It's great to have you with us. This